Welcome to an episode of Bands and Botanicals, a unique podcast where a trainer and trainee talk about herbal medicine and fitness. We're your hosts. My name is Danielle Kreese, and I'm a certified personal trainer and owner of DC Fit. And we also have Paula Kirsch, who's an artisanal herbalist and owner of Botanically Curious. So let's go ahead and start the show. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Hey, so we're here for an episode, and today we are actually going to be talking about herbal pairings or affinity drivers and supersets, a little different to start off the month. Yeah, we're excited for this one. Um, Funny, we're actually kind of recording this a little bit on the fly. We were supposed to have... Um, my good, dear, dear friend, Rachel Pringle Herb, on uh, recording with us this morning. She's in Mexico right now, though, and was dealing with some technical difficulties. So we're going to bring you this episode, but don't worry. Next week, we're going to be delving into all of that um, kind of self-love, partner love, exercise love, lots of things revolving around uh, this time of month. So stay tuned for that next week, but in the time... For the time being, rather, we will have a great, great episode for you about these herbal pairings and about supersets and how you could pair things in your workouts so that you get a little extra oomph out of what you are doing. Yeah, I like that. I like when we do supersets, actually. Um, So today, our card is ginger. Now, this is kind of neat because um, for those who celebrate, we just had in bulk and we're coming into the spring now and things are starting to warm up and ginger is a very warming herb and really what that's saying is you know publicly celebrate some of the achievements that you might have had in the last month yes we're only one month into 2021 you may have shifted some goals around you may have been doing things a little differently maybe you're doing things just the same because things were working for you but don't wait to celebrate those moments you know that's a big part of self-love about what we're talking about this month and you know give yourself a pat on the back with maybe some of the things you're doing or you know because we're some of us are still socially distancing try to as safely as possible do some kind of public celebration with those around you um and yeah that's kind of what ginger is symbolizing today yeah absolutely i actually really really love this i think it totally vibes with the theme that we have for the month and kind of something that you should always carry with yourself because This brings me back to one of our earlier episodes when we were talking to Christy from The Biggest Loser, and we had talked about how she had taken a moment for herself to thank the woman she was when she took that first step on her fitness journey and not just thanking the woman she became after she achieved her goals. And I think that's such an important thing because it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, I did great once you're already there. Mm -hmm. But... You need to you need to celebrate yourself for taking that first step. And then you should celebrate yourself again because usually after a first step, you may tumble a little bit. I mean, right. that's what discovery is all about. And if you keep going, even if you take one step backwards, but then you start right back up again, that is absolutely worth celebrating. Yeah. And, you know, between social media, between our access to everything, between being inundated with information, it's so easy to compare yourself to others. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, with total transparency with you guys, I have fallen into that hard. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've had to personally take a step away from social media, especially or unfortunately at this time, because I feel 
like I can't engage as much because it's not really healthy for me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so easy to get caught up in that, that it's easy to forget about all of the the good, amazing things that you do do. Mm -hmm. Um, So every time you use a little bit of ginger, every time you shave some into your meal or put some into your tea, let that be a reminder that you could take a moment to celebrate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So today with supersets, now I think we did some superset workouts last week Mm -hmm. and we're probably going to record um and maybe put it online that's you know one of my favorite things to do is record myself struggling through a workout (laughs) and uh just to kind of get you guys to see what we have for supersets but you know what are some of the things that we'll be talking about without today okay so i think the first the first thing we should hit is what exactly is a superset um sounds great but If you're not tackling it the right way, then you may not be getting the most out of it. So a superset is basically you're performing movements back to back with little to no rest in between each movement. So this is going to force your muscles to remain contracted for a longer period of time. And we like to call that in the industry (laughs) (laughs) time under tension. One of uh, one of my favorite coaches, someone I worked with um, at another gym when I worked at Orange Theory, he would always talk about time under tension and it really stuck with me. Holding those contractions, you know, when you slow down your movements, that's time under tension. When you're doing movements back to back without much rest in between, you are forcing that muscle or, you know, it could be opposing muscles, but you're forcing your muscles to continue to work even when they're maybe feeling a little fatigued. So your goal in your supersets Mm. is to try to hold form past that fatigue and try to stay consistent in that movement. So that's what a superset is. Time under tension, holding it for longer. With the muscle being under tension for longer, the motor units in your muscles are staying more active. Now, what the hell is a motor unit, Danielle? (laughs) Good question. So it's basically one motor neuron and the muscle fibers that it connects with. So the things that are basically... um, Like a crankshaft maybe? Yeah, they're they're the things that are... the, The cause to your... Or the effect to your cause, essentially, the catalyst, the thing that's that's creating the movement, that that little spark that goes through your muscles that creates that contraction. I'm doing a lot of hand movements right now. I wish you all could see me. <laughs> but um, that's basically what is happening when you're going into a superset. Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, I slow my movements down already. I work on eccentric movements, so I have my time under tension. What are some of the benefits? of a superset. Well, for the first, if you are taking less time to rest, you are saving time in your workout. And no, this is not something that should be applied all the time. You shouldn't just have superset after superset after superset in order to save time. But realistically, some of us may need that sometimes. Right. You may not be able to get in an hour or 45 minutes. And if you only have a half hour to work with, Supersets are a perfect way to maximize that time and maximize the amount of time your muscles are working. So that's a really great benefit to supersets to just start us off with. Mm. The other one is that it's another way to increase workout intensity and overload the muscles. Now, Paula, 
Coming back to this relationship that we have of a trainer and a trainee, last week we did supersets. And it was upper body, right? Yep. yep. So we were focusing on upper body. So you would have your circuit and we'd finish all of our rounds. And then at the end of the circuit, you had your bonus superset rounds. Mm-hmm. And if I recall correctly, we were utilizing bands. Right. And it was complementary muscles that we were doing uh, supersets with. And I'll get into the types of supersets you could do a little bit later in this episode. But for right now, we were doing uh, complementary muscles. So back and biceps, they work together. So we had 20 reps of banded bicep curls and then straight into, without any rest, 20 reps of hip hinge rows. Mm -hmm. We had a 10-second break, 10 to 15 seconds, and then we went back in for round two. 10 to 15 seconds, and then we went back in for round three. So even though we took that little rest in between rounds, you were still supersetting the two exercises. Mm -hmm. Now, Paula, did you feel when I talk about how it increases workout intensity or overloads the muscles, were you personally able to experience that while we were doing the workout? Yeah, I think, you know, arms in particular is not something um, I focus on often. It's usually lower body, you know, where the bigger muscle groups are. I really enjoyed it because it it did feel like I was doing so much, but it got me right to the edge of just like total, complete, oh my God, I can't do this, but I got it done. And then for me in particular, the day after, because I was doing these complimentary muscles, I actually couldn't tell how sore I was because it wasn't one particular spot. It was like the entire, <laughs> you know, thing was probably a little sore. So it actually was just like not as noticeable. Right. Um, Which was really nice. And so for me, recovery was a little bit easier. I enjoyed it because it really does give you a a big pump. So if you're looking for that, you know, if you are those who like to take photos of yourself after a workout or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that's a really great way to kind of see the pump after a workout. So I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was really great. I mean, there may be workouts. Paula mentioned how she, the soreness kind of was everywhere. And for this particular workout, we weren't just doing back and biceps. You may find that localized sore feeling if you do supersets, if that's also the focus of the rest of your workout. But we were doing chest, tri, shoulders, back, and by. But we had two particular supersets, that being one of them. Mm. So... That is another great way. Let's say maybe your body can't handle an aggressive weight load Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. It could be injury. It could be that you're still building up to it. This is a great way to add that um, intensity and overload the muscles without feeling like you're compromising because you're just trying to lift heavier and heavier and heavier. Yeah, I think it's great, especially as you kind of age into fitness and your health and you realize, you know, your joints aren't what they used to be, or maybe you've had an injury and you're younger and you still, you know, for me, my elbows for some reason. And Mm. so, uh, being able to do it in that way where I was getting a really, really great workout, but not, uh, having to injure myself to do it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, and then of course, you know, maybe obvious, but it's another way to add variety. So many people I talk to Mm. get, They plateau because they see something or they're familiar with one thing and then they just keep doing that thing over and over again. And we've hit on this so many times, the ways you could bring variety into your workouts, even with just a single type of movement, like a squat. Right. 
I mean, you could turn a superset just off the top of my head into a general squat, straight into a sumo squat, straight into a narrow squat. Mm. Those are three versions of almost the same move. And with that superset focus, you're adding variety. It's not just, oh, 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off. You know, it's not just the general interval or the general rep count. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to not only keep yourself accountable or not keep yourself accountable, but keep yourself motivated and entertained for lack of a better word. But you'll also be able to keep your body that way. Bringing variety in is what helps change the composition of your body because it's always having to adapt and always having to tackle these challenges in different capacities. Um, also supersets in itself, they in themselves have a lot of variety in the types of supersets you could do, but I'll get into that a little bit later. So lots of great ways that you could incorporate that. Um, and last thing, and then I'm going to actually pass it on for a little bit of herbal, a little herb break, <laughs> different kind of herb break than what people normally do when they're in Southern Oregon. That's the that's the cannabis herb break that I right. think people normally take here. But with that minimal rest component that you're getting in a superset, not only are you working on strengthening the muscles and overloading the muscles, but you're also coming in from an endurance standpoint. Mm. Paula had to continue to work despite feeling that fatigue to try to reach the end of each 20 second rep, uh, 20 second or 20 rep exercise. Right. And that's, you know, a really phenomenal skill to work on is to be able to endure, mm -hmm. to be able to last, to be able to hold form even when you're tired at the end of a workout. Mm. So I think even apart from the strength component that can come from supersetting, the endurance component is a really great thing and a really great um, part of your workout that you could focus on and actually see and feel yourself improve on. Right. Yeah. Like if we come back to that workout a little bit, even if it's not the exact same, but we do those two uh, supersets, I could ask Paula, Paula, have you felt that maybe while it's still challenging, you could get to the end without as much fatigue or without as much struggle? That's a tangible thing you could hold on to. Right. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to notice different parts of, of or different benefits that these will bring into your life. Don't just stay stuck on, oh, it's I need the muscles and I need the strength. Like. <laughs> Your endurance, how long you could last, how long you could hold form, that's really, really, really valuable and it's going to benefit you in so many different ways. Yeah, we talk about, you know, on a lot of the podcasts, just the gym isn't life, life is life. You know, mm -hmm. you said that last time and that's exactly what it is. If you can build up your endurance, you can hike better, you can bike better, you can, you know, we'll talk about it next week with Rachel, uh, do some other things a little better. Sexy then, time. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, more power to you. And I think that that's really what we're looking at um, when we talk about even herbal pairings. Mm. So, you know, we talk about herbal pairings or just formulating herbs. A lot of the time last episode, we had one that was about adaptogens and just energetics. And hopefully you guys are kind of getting the point with energetics and what I'm talking about. If you don't, we always like to hear and see questions from you guys. We'll put them on the podcast. We'll make sure we answer those or we'll just message you privately to let you know. But um, when we're talking about herbs, one of the things we do when we're doing formulations or pairings is we look at affinity drivers. Now, if you start to study certain herbs, you'll realize, especially if you're looking at, um, you know, medicine that's not more Western medicine, but herbalism, 
that's a little more, I guess, ancient practice, there's going to be like Chinese herbal medicine that has herbs that are associated with different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. So what that means, you know, affinity drivers is that they have an affinity for a particular organ more oh. so than just um, basic tissue, general tissue. So when we talk about energetics and we talk about hot, dry, moist, those are just basic, more tissue type things. And then some of those herbs then have an affinity for like ginger um, to warm the gut. And so when you're pairing herbs together, say you have uh, a stuck condition and uh, in the digestive system, you know, you're going to pair ginger with something else to kind of push that along. And so, um, you know, ginger's a little bit more drying and it's warming. And so if you know that that's going to agitate you a little more, you might want to soften it. So things like violet is good, even though it's a little um, moistening, you know, it helps it to where it's not, it's going to calm it down a little bit. So just looking at affinity drivers in that way, and you think of it in that context of there's some herbs that are just generally for the tissue of the body, and then there's others that are really focused. So um, on my Instagram, Botanically Curious, my page with all of my teas and things like that that I put on there, I did post something, I think it was last week, that talked about Tulsi and three ways that you can pair Tulsi with another herb to then kind of create this affinity for for a certain aspect in the body. So Tulsi is something that, you know, really actually helps if you're talking about emotional health and some of those things. It's a little more calming. Um, Some people say it can bring up emotional aspects or feelings or things to the surface. So that way they're better, you can better then work with them or Mm. acknowledge them. And so it helps a lot of the time because it is a little warming. So you can pair it with ginger, Tulsi and ginger, and it would help with the digestion. So just a warming pair that kind of moves things along, stuck. If you start thinking about, there's all kinds of different wellness, I guess, lenses to look through when you're looking at your body. Some people Mm -hmm. talk about like chakras and other things. And so they know when they're having this emotional reaction or these emotional uh, things happen that they are focused on different aspects of the body. Some people believe that, you know, maybe the liver or the gut or other things are then affected because of that. And so this is kind of where this mindset comes along a little bit when we're talking about affinity drivers. Is it kind of like acupuncture? How would it be similar or not really how you could like stimulate certain parts, even for like emotional. Right. Exactly. That's one of of the lenses. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of that viewpoint where we're not talking about the traditional, American Western medicine where it's just like very, you know, this is a symptom. I'm going to give you a pill for this symptom. We don't look at it from a holistic standpoint. This is really looking at it from a holistic standpoint. Maybe you have really stuck conditions in your body because you're also struggling with this emotional thing, right? you know, all of those. And so if that's something um, that you are really aware of in your body, you know, affinity drivers are really good for that when you're doing herbal formulations, herbal pairings. I do see... Tulsi? Yeah. Tulsi. I do see Tulsi. It's one of the herbs, whenever I'm looking at different teas, like at the grocery store and Mm -hmm. stuff, it's one of the ones that I always notice. And I know that there are obviously a lot of these teas are blends, Mm -hmm. but I always notice that it's paired with other things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. uh, Complimentary. Um, Tulsi, holy basil, same thing. And we did a little bit Mm -hmm. of a podcast about that and how that kind of works. And 
it's, yeah, it's really great. And this is why Tulsi is one of those, and you'll find this with things like Calendula and a few others, where you can pair them with something and it's because they're basic tissue, right? And then you say, the next one I have is ginkgo. So everybody mostly knows, and I think we've covered ginkgo here, um, and I wanted to go through pairings of herbs that we've kind of covered before because I'm not going to get in-depth with the herbs. So mm -hmm. if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the herb, go back to some of our other episodes for that. So ginkgo, if you're talking about it for brain function, it's got an affinity to affect the, the brain, right? Or to help nourish the brain. And you add it with Tulsi, and then you've got that clarity from an emotional standpoint. It's affinity driver um, for like just mental situations in general. If you're feeling a lot of stress, if there's something going on, maybe it's a little bit of brain fog and you just need to kind of get some clarity, ginkgo and Tulsi together would be great. And so that's another pairing that you could do. Um, and we talked about thyme and Tulsi before. And Tulsi with thyme as a steam, because oh, I love the smell of Tulsi. It's got almost like a little spice to it. When you put it into tea, it's a little bit sweeter. Mm. I actually have some in this today. But I love that how there's that like right. difference in like mm -hmm. the way in which you're using the herb and kind of what you get out of it. Right. The spicy, a little bit spicy, but use it in a different way and it's a little bit sweet. Mm -hmm. And so with Tulsi and thyme, uh, you put them together and you do a steam like you did when you uh, were had a little bit of a cold. And so the antimicrobial... Uh, and respiratory health from the thyme with the Tulsi that kind of just helps soothe everything in general and just for general health together really help if you have respiratory issues, if you think you might be having a cold, you know, just putting that together in a steam and inhaling that is really going to improve. So that's three ways that you can, um, I guess, prepare or, you know, formulate Tulsi with other herbs to benefit different areas of the body. I wonder if that would actually even be... Um really beneficial right now just given the current pandemic mm, mm. <laughs> and how there are respiratory issues with that and we we've said it before we're not doctors right you would have to check with your doctor especially with covid in the way that mm -hmm. i i do not know but just off the top of my head thinking that even if you don't have it you know a lot of this is also preventative right. yeah right so so if you could take and it, and it feels good to steam yeah it's warm mm -hmm. you know you're you're breathing deeply which is also going to help relax you yeah without you even realizing it and relax the nervous system so if you could if you could set yourself up if you could use this time and tulsi steam as preventative measures to build up your respiratory system, then I think now more than ever would be a great reason to incorporate it. Yeah, I think that's the best thing. It's the preventative med medicine where you're not going to the, the doctor for a particular prescription and you take it, you know, expected to take it for the rest of your life type of thing. This is just setting you, yourself up for general health long term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bringing us back to working out because that is very much the same. Um, it's setting us up for a lifetime of movement and, uh, I, to me, happiness because mm -hmm. it's such a it has such a huge mental component as well. Right, right. Um, but I wanted to get into a bit about the types of supersets because that's where the variety really comes into play and where you could really have a lot of fun with your workouts. Mm. <laughs> I always like to use the word fun. Not everyone always agrees that that's a correct adjective to use with workouts or the workouts that I put on, but I think it's great fun. Paula would agree. I know she would. <laughs> Notice she was staying pretty quiet there. I actually had to give her a little eye, get her to laugh a little. <laughs> okay, so 
You could do kind of a pre-exhaustive type of superset in which you have two moves that are using the same muscle group. So let's say you have two moves that are focusing on your quadriceps. Doesn't mean that the move has to only do the quadricep, you know, because we have our synergist muscles, the muscles that are always going to be helpful. But you could do one move that's more of an isolation move. So that's where we are trying to focus on the specific body group. So a leg extension. And I don't always particularly subscribe to using the machines and stuff because I feel like it takes away a bit of body awareness and and you having to hold accountability for yourself and the way that you move. But to localize work in a specific muscle, I think mm-hmm. machines are great. Right. Because you, it has that specific reason. Everything else is supported, so you could really focus on that one muscle group. So doing a leg extension for your quads. And then second exercise, little to no rest, making it more compound or more dynamic. Maybe you're doing... Um, Squat standing up. I mean, I know that sounds like it's almost similar, sort of, mm-hmm. but it's not. When you're doing squats sitting up, you're also recruiting a bit more from your hamstrings, from your glutes as well, opposed to just isolating the quad in your leg extension. So you're using still the same muscles, and what's happening is that your quads are already tired and fatigued from that first isolated exercise. Mm. And then... When you come into that more dynamic movement, you have your synergist muscles. You have the helpers to get you through that second, right. that second move. The, the next type is just turning it opposite, doing it opposite. So you're starting with a more dynamic movement and then you're burning it out. So you may feel kind of a deeper burn if then you go into an isolation move. And I just wanted to take a moment and differentiate between when I say an isolation movement and an isometric movement. Because even when I was reading this, the words just kind of were similar in my head. And I would have to catch myself from thinking isometric versus isolation. So in an isolation movement, you are focusing on a specific body part and trying to keep the work in that muscle. Mm -hmm. An isometric movement is when you are holding a move for an extended period of time. Let's say you hold a squat. Instead of coming out of it, you just stay low for, let's say, 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted that to be clear. One of the moves, it can be isometric, but that's not exactly what we're talking about. And I just kept getting mixed up in my head. So I just wanted to um, clear that up for you, the difference. Compound movements, so you could have two compound exercises where, and I love compound movements because they recruit more of the body, they recruit more muscles to work together, your coordination comes into play, and when all the muscles know how to support each other in your body, not only will you work better in the gym, but you will be safer outside of the gym. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Paula, I know that we've joked that you injure yourself and trip all the yeah, time. I'm super clumsy. Everyone knows who knows me, well, maybe not since I moved here because COVID happened a year after I moved here. So many, maybe, maybe not many people have seen me trip, but it happens <laughs> almost on a regular basis. And when you have those compound movements, you kind of learn how to move better yeah. um, and to move safer so that let's say you do trip, you kind of can learn how to support yourself so maybe you don't totally eat shit. Right, right. <laughs> Which is nice. So you could have two compound movements that will require more energy. When you require more energy and you recruit more muscles, you burn more calories. So that's a really great way 
to um, kind of really feel it in that superset. You could have two isolation movements. So let's say you go into a tricep kickback and then you go into an overhead tricep extension. Mm. There's not much else. Um, yes, you are still being supported by other muscles in the arm, of course, because you're moving them. But those two muscles definitely target in on the back of the arm, right. on the triceps. And performing two isolation movements back to back, you will feel that burn and you will feel how your muscles have had to stay contracted for that extended period of time, just like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast. And another one would be two opposing muscle groups. Mm-hmm. And this may be a great place to start because you will always have an opportunity for that one other muscle to recover. Right. So for example, maybe you do leg extensions for your quads and then the next movement is a hamstring curl. Mm-hmm. So while your hamstrings are working, your quads are resting. While your quads are working, your hamstrings are resting. And if you're just starting off on your journey, that may be a really great place to start because you won't feel like like you are overloading too much of the same muscle. Right, right. And that may help you stay successful through your superset. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of taking that into consideration. And then later on, you know, you could play with it. Maybe you do have an isometric hold and then you go into a really heavy power move. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you... Yeah, I don't know. That's what I have. We've gone through a lot as I have off the top of my head. But it gives you an opportunity to incorporate supersets but not always have to having to do the same version of a superset right i always tell people with their workouts you're only limited by your own creativity mm-hmm. um and this is an example of it yeah talking about what you're talking about it reminds me i think it was like a week or two ago when i had hurt my leg and so i couldn't do any lower body anything and so we started with the upper body and so you had me laying on the bench first and i was doing these you know four or five different moves just with my upper body then you put the bench at an incline. I did the moves all over again. Then we did it with the bands. And so by the end of it, it was like 135 reps. So it was just like, yeah, it was a lot. For each move, mm-hmm. by the way, um, which was nuts. But it's just, like you said, it's kind of shifting it just slightly where you're, instead of laying down, now you're, you know, inclined a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that difference. And so it's building, you know, more of that complementary aspect to it where when you get out into the real world you know, there's going to be a less uh, likeliness for injury, you know? Yeah. How can you make yourself more well-rounded essentially so that, so that your body works in all different environments and different circumstances. And just this last one, I just came to me. I knew I had another one for you, (laughs) but combining maybe a strength move and a stabilizing move. And this I think could be really beneficial. And you could take a strength move and a stabilizing move and then apply that to any of the types of supersets that we just talked about. Mm. For example, let's say you wanted to do two isolating movements. You could do a dumbbell bicep curl, and then you could do a banded bicep curl, and you'll hit your large muscle, the more superficial part of the bicep with your dumbbell and your strength move, and then you'll get a little bit deeper and incorporate some of the stabilizers as well with your bands. Mm. So that could be a really great way to complement your body. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah, I love when we talk about just starting out and knowing that, you know, not everybody who listens to a podcast that's in fitness or herbalism or whatever it is, that they already know what they're talking about or already know what they're going to do. Sometimes they're at the starting point. Maybe they're starting over. You know, there's a lot of contradictory information out there. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's really hard to know 
if you're getting the right information, if you're doing what you should be doing, you know, and we talk about that all the time. So when you're doing herbal pairings or you're doing some formulations, a lot of the time when you're first working with someone or when you're working with yourself initially to do this, you want to go a little more generalized with your pairings. So that means that it's going to be having the overall main goal that you're wanting, the overall effect, but these aren't going to be super localized herbs because you're not exactly sure yet how your body's going to react to it. So an example of this would be valerian root, which is usually known to help with calming, relaxation, sleeping, and hops. And um, if you, and this is the hops that you would put in beer a lot of the time, sometimes people like the flavor, sometimes they don't, but you can pair valerian root with hops. And so valerian's a little more warming, a little more hot, and then hops is a little bitter and a little cold. And so, you know, when we talk about formulations, usually a herbal formulation is like three to five herbs max. You don't want to be doing too many. So if you pair these two and then you need something for flavor, you can always look at some mm. of these generalized herbs like calendula, rose, hibiscus that are just good for flavor some of the time. So this one would be a generalized pairing for sleep. So if you are you know, working with this or somebody asks you, um, valerian root and hops would be a really great one. You know, you can pretty much put hops in anything for a relaxing effect. Uh, if you, you know, it's a little easier to get sometimes in valerian root. Um, and then going back to ginger, we talked about ginger a little bit and how it's warming and things. Now, nettle is a good one. If you are like for me, I'm, I guess if I was to be a place in the world, it'd be like jungly. I'm like warm and hot. <laughs> It's really, you know, not the place you want to be. And so... <laughs> I um, love the jungle, personally, okay? <laughs> I would hang out in your jungle. That sounds weird. <laughs> but It's really warm and moist. Um, and so you can do nettle, which is drying, and it supports a lot of uh, women's health, too, for those that are looking for that. Nettle and ginger sometimes can be a really great combo. There's a little astringency with the nettle because it's drying. It's got mineral content, and so sometimes when we're looking for, if we have cravings for like salty foods or other things like that, sometimes mm. nettle can be there because it helps allow uh, more of that mineral content into your body, uh, reduces like the histamine expressions in tissue, so it has a little bit of like an anti-inflammatory effect to it. Um, and those together can kind of help with like PMS or maybe low back pain, uh, kidney pain because it's the ginger is going to be driving it's that affinity driver driving it to the area that needs to be kind of cool yeah and so uh, some of the other things you can do is you know adding linden in there so that's going to help with just if you have this kind of stressful feeling or you ex explain that you're fried right or if mm -hmm. you're saying you know this is how I feel more of a fried state that can really be tied to the kidneys which we talked about before like if you're looking at emotional states and then aspects in the body and where some of those functions kind of collide and what herbs can do, you know, it's holistic medicine standpoint. And so looking at those and making sure that you're nourishing your kidneys um, and your, and when you're talking about maybe PMS and some of those symptoms, that kind of all ties together, you know, back pain, kidneys, you get a lot of that. There's mm -hmm. a little more emotion to it. And so doing maybe some nettle and some ginger together uh, can help in that aspect. So that's something that's really interesting. And then um, if you're looking just in general and you're not sure, you know, 
why or if there's not a particular place in the body like you're not experiencing pain you're not you know trying to sleep you're not doing any of these other things but you just want to get the benefit of the herb and, you're uh, and congratulations to you if you have no issues <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um but violet like i mentioned is really calming and we talked a little bit about violet on the show and nettle is drying and so you've got like a moist dry combination so it's it's not going to cancel each other out but it's going to create this more calming balanced effect um, and nettle is sometimes can be, you know, really bitter and astringent in teas. And so if you're trying to do a tea and you want to sweeten it a little bit, sometimes, you know, violet works really well for that. And so just looking at things from an energetic standpoint with dry, moist, looking at the affinity driver aspect, if those herbs have an affinity for a particular portion of the body, certain, you know, all of those things kind of come together. You know, when we talk to Rachel, one of the things through Ayurvedic medicine and all these others that uh, associates with love so often is rose because it's got an affinity for the heart. And so you can look back and say, oh, this is why it's in Valentine's Mm. Day and this is why a symbol of love, but it has an affinity for the heart. Cool. And so we'll be talking about that next week and how you can kind of incorporate that as well. So violets, would you take that as a tea? You could put that in a tea as well? Mm -hmm. I Growing up, if... If anyone out there, I I have no idea if this runs through for all Latin people, but I know (laughs) that Cubans always have this one perfume that every single baby wears. It's called Violetas, which is just Spanish for violet. So the name actually may have a little bit more to it than that, but that's just what I always call it. And you just saying that it's calming, and I don't know if it's just the the association I have with it of being younger, of smelling it on nieces, nephews, my sister, my baby sister, uh, cause I have two, well, one's still kind of young, mm. but it, it did. I, like I said, I don't know if it's more nostalgia for me or, or mm-hmm. more familial to me, but it always brought this sense of calm to mm-hmm. me. And I never thought, I mean, I guess I've seen it in gums, violet well, gum, but I never thought about, of tea. Yeah. And you think about a lot of herbs can have some of the same effects. Like if you're thinking about it in that aspect, then you look at lavender and a lot of mm-hmm. baby products and things have lavender in them because they're calming, they're soothing, you know, those aspects. But if you're talking about, and we'll talk about this, ooh, when I'm super excited to talk about <laughs> our bioregion aspect, where we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about travel and different herbs in those places. And so if you're talking about warmer climates, they'll most likely have violets versus lavender. And so things like that, where you look at it from a cultural standpoint, that's probably why. That's so cool. Cause I thought, you know, it's so funny you say that too, because when you, when we first talked about violets and immediately my head just went to lavender mm-hmm. and I actually had to, I don't know if it's cause they're just both purple. <laughs> <laughs> it may have been just as simple as that, but I kind of had to be like, those are two separate things, mm-hmm. but I guess, you know, they still kind of have their similarities and are connected for for a reason which is is cool and maybe uh, interchangeable like you said in yeah. different different parts of the world mm-hmm. um i love what you said paula about um you know people who are just starting off right and and how you came back to the herbs that we've already talked about i i think that's such an important thing and i just before i continued i just wanted to just say that, you know, whether you are the most well-versed mm. in herbs or you have been doing fitness for 10 years, going back to the basics is always a good idea. Right. I don't care if you could do 20 tuck jumps into a rolling burpee with a 
that's played out plank. I don't even know what that is. And I'll be sitting here drinking tea while you do that. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. But I don't care if you could do that. Your workout should still incorporate. You should still make sure you go back to that standard squat and just check in with yourself mm. and go back to those those herbs that you you started with that you feel so familiar with and right. and maybe you know just checking in with your comfort with them with your knowledge with them i mean it's always the basics are there for a reason there are foundations right. mm-hmm. so even if you graduate from those foundations it's it's so important to just always revisit them right yeah um when do we use supersets you, you know, I talked about how you could throw them in. I talked about the benefits of, of them and how they could be great for your variety, for overloading the muscles, for increasing intensity. But does that mean that you should always and only do supersets? Mm. Like everything, absolutely not. That's not what it means in any capacity. Like everything, it's all about balance because no matter what, if you continue, if you hold on to one thing and you do that same thing for years, you're going to plateau. You're going to wonder why. You may start off doing great and then you're not going to progress. And you're like, oh, but this worked for me in the the beginning. Why is this not working for me now? Mm -hmm. And it's because you have to balance out what you're doing. You have to have those variations. You have to have those changes. And what happens with supersets sometimes is that you may not be I want to word this correctly. You may not be overloading the body always with progressive resistance. So adding the load, adding the weight. And and you've heard me, adding weight to me is not always the most important thing. It depends on what your goals are. If you're going for, for hypertrophy in which your, your muscles are building and building, and if you're going uh, for being a bodybuilder, then yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. You have to focus on being able to increase weight. Right. But you still can progressively increase weight without making it to 100 pounds. You know what I mean? And you may not be doing that if you're always doing supersets. Mm -hmm. If you're always doing supersets with bands or if you're always doing supersets um, in the same fashion, doing the same moves over and over again at the Mm -hmm. same resistance, even though at the beginning you may feel that extra burn, you may see those changes, it's not going to last. So when you add in your supersets, Add them in just like you do everything else. Incorporate them periodically, but not for every single workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, maybe it's a strategic thing. You know, okay, on Tuesdays, I have a shorter amount of time. Tuesdays are going to be the days that I incorporate my supersets. Right. So you could be really strategic about it. Again, it always comes back to this. How can you make yourself successful? Mm-hmm. You know, how can you support yourself on this journey so that it doesn't feel so hard? So just... Take a little bit of time to think about about what you have available to you, about the time you have available to you, and incorporate it in that capacity. Um, and then it just just a couple of tips to kind of round out what we're talking about, at least from my standpoint, is when you're thinking about your superset, especially if you are incorporate, incorporating weights and dumbbells, even if you're incorporating bands, because mm-hmm. bands all hold different resistances, mm-hmm. um, take into consideration the whole workout and the whole superset. Right. Because yes, you may be able to bust out 12 bicep curls at 20 or 25 pound dumbbells, mm-hmm. but can you bust out 20 bicep curls and then go straight into a hip hinge row at 20 to 25 pound dumbbells. Mm. So again, again, 
and I hate to sound like a broken record, but that's, that's where you set yourself up for success right. is not just thinking about that one small component. And this flows so beautifully in with the herbs that Paula talks about right. and what we've been talking about with energetics and, and trying to look at the whole picture instead of just part of the picture. Mm-hmm. That's how you should handle your workouts. How do I pace myself so that I could last? How do I choose, you know, making sure that you choose the right rate, what, the right weight that's going to keep you successful for not just one part of the workout or one part of the movement, but the whole part of the movement. Mm. Um, So definitely keep that into consideration, Um, especially again, when working with similar muscle groups, you may be able to get away with choosing heavier weights or heavier resistance in your bands when you're working opposing muscle groups, because you always have that ability to rest that one muscle. Right. So something to, you know, tools for your toolbox. Um, you can also add in, and I mentioned this different mediums, like I said, the strength versus the stabilizing, Mm -hmm. you could always do a balance move and a strength move, which could be really great as well. Um, you could do a slow eccentric move for half of it and then high speed, you know, faster pace, for example, an eccentric squat versus speed squats. An eccentric squat is when you're going really, really slow, resisting the the want to just drop down because gravity is trying to pull you down. Right. And then you drop those weights or you hold on to those weights and all of a sudden you're going into like a jackrabbit of a squat as long as you could control it. And those are great ways, again, to kind of bring more into the supersets that you're going for. And I know those are just a couple of tips, but some things that I think could help you and kind of keep you more successful. Don't be afraid to get creative. Don't be afraid to bring upper body and lower body into it. Mm-hmm. You're not confined to a box right. in what you can work. And you know what? Even if you work two completely different <laughs> muscles, who cares? Right. You're still going to get something from it. I could work my calves and then feel like supersetting my chest. And that's just what I feel like doing that day. Maybe I'm having a chest and leg day and trying to shock my body. Right. You know, it's all about that change. It's all about that adaptation. And that's what I got. Yeah, I love it because (laughs) I hear about that so often, the plateau effect, especially for people who do a lot of cardio because you're building up that endurance so quickly. You know, going to Orange Theory, you love it at the beginning because they have this cute little point system and you're like, I'm killing it. I got all these points or whatever it is. (laughs) And then by week two, all of a sudden within such a quick amount of time, you don't have as many points because your body's adapting so quickly Mm -hmm. and the endurance and everything else. And you're just like, oh man. And so after a month, you start to plateau maybe a little bit. You do some of those other things. So mixing in all these different things, especially with lifting weights, is going to help you with that. And I just, you know, I love that so much, especially when we talk about, you know, warmer weather coming, maybe doing some hiking, maybe doing some walking even. Um, For me, when I had the injury on my legs, I almost went into this kind of state of worry because I was like, I'm trying so hard to, you know, make sure my fitness and my, my wellness is on track and I don't want to set myself back. How do I rest in this injury, but how do I keep going at the same time? And then we talked about, you know, doing maybe hikes with just a backpack with some weight in it Mm -hmm. or something where it's still really low impact, but Mm -hmm. you're shifting it. It's something you don't normally do. So it's shocking your body. You know, you're continuing to do it and you don't have to worry about injuring yourself. So I love that. Um, and then when we are talking back about herbal pears, uh, because we're getting into the warmer months here soon, at the end of the month, I'm going to do a special uh, kind of first aid kit episode. We'll talk about maybe wilderness medicine, outdoor workouts, some of that. We might release that maybe on a Saturday or something, depending how the schedule goes. 
just to kind of get you guys into the warmer weather if you are around our area and it's not warm you know if you're not in a, a nice place like mexico or something <laughs> like that where you know uh, i'm sure they're experiencing winter but uh not like us no it was snowing today i don't think well <laughs> I th- it snows in some places right i think in mexico mm-hmm. but if you're by the beach right enjoy it so just to reiterate for those who are like okay great i i wrote down what you said with herbs what does that actually mean how do i do it with different herbs so go ahead and uh, you can pause for a second if you need to, or you can just visualize this. I'm a really good person to visualize when people are talking and imagine a triangle or draw a triangle. And at the top, this is the main goal, um, you know, and then you kind of work clockwise. And so the next little point of the triangle would be the support. Um, and then you've got the catalyst. And so you imagine this kind of threefold process where what's your goal? Are you looking for just general health? Are you looking to improve uh, gut health? Um, you know, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's neurological, whatever it might be where you're looking for that. So imagine, you know, what is your actual main goal? And from there, you know, what are the herbs you're going to use to support that? The supporting herbs are just the generalized tissue aspects. So these aren't going to be the affinity drivers. These are just generalizations. The ones that are gonna be more nourishing and building to the body and so like violet citrus things like that um some adaptogens are really good for that and then you've got the catalyst you've really got that driver that pusher at that last point of the triangle right before you bring it back on home for that full uh rotation you've got the slow or directed aspect to a specific organ you know warming of the gut like we mentioned or a relaxation of the lymphatic system flushing out certain areas nettle's really good for that like flushing out and so what is that catalyst? What's that action, that driver that you're gonna need? And thinking about that and then say, okay, this is the herb that's then associated with that. So this is a really great way to visualize how you're going to be building your herbal pairs, how you're going to be doing that in an easy fashion. And this really works for anything. You know, If you're looking for generalized immune boosting effects because of the flu that's traveling around, you know, you go through the same process where it's like, what's my main goal? How am I wanting to support myself? Am I wanting to kind of, do I know from an energetic standpoint that I'm a lot more of a moist person? I hold moisture in myself. I want to get rid of that moisture. What is the herb great for that? And then the catalyst, the specific organ that I'm actually trying to focus on or the area in my body, because you could be a damp person who also has gut issues, or you could be a really dry person who has, you know, maybe brain fog. So it's looking at your energetics, looking at the goal for this specific thing, and just writing that down. And this is a really great way to formulate. So I just wanted to make sure you guys had that. I love that. I mean, visualization, being able to just like physically and tangibly make a plan, especially with this stuff. Well, yeah, fitness or herbalism. I I was just referring to herbalism because it's so new to me. But even with fitness, you know, go in with a plan. Right. You, if you're just starting off and you walk into a gym without any plan or any preparation whatsoever, you're going to be intimidated, you're going to be overwhelmed, and you're probably not going to get in a great workout because yeah. you're probably going to be sitting there looking at different things, wondering what to do next. It's the same with this this plan that Paul is putting in place. Instead of just haphazardly or mindlessly choosing herbs because you've heard about them, Right. Make this this triangle, set yourself up, look at that three pillar approach mm-hmm. to see what your body needs and, and get that prep in so that you could, again, support yourself. Yeah. That's what it's all about. All right. 
Well, with that, I think we're ready to wrap up our episode, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> every time she says that, I'm like, but wait, there's more. Um, I just wanted to say that I meant to take a picture of this to share with you guys. And I actually like scarfed it down and completely forgot. But I, I recently made a rice pilaf with ginger tea. So using that as my liquid instead of water and I steeped the ginger, I used fresh ginger in order to steep it. It was about two cups, just that's what, what I needed. Um, but I wanted to see if any of you are, you know, bringing new herbs into your cooking or incorporating herbs in different ways. So instead of just um, you know, chamomile. Mm -hmm. We mentioned this in a past podcast. I right. still have to try this, but instead of just having chamomile and tea, did right. you try to incorporate chamomile into your pancakes? Yeah. You know, are you, can you use that ginger tea for your rice so that you bring a little bit more depth of flavor? Not only do you have that flavor profile that you're working with now, but you have the ginger. Yeah. Or if you're trying to do breaded chicken and using herbs with that, Go away from the original, you know, oregano, parsley, all of that stuff. Use something else. You know, I put hibiscus in oh. my, you know, breadcrumbs or my, um, what is it? Panko breading. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any gluten-free, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's something that's a little bit sweeter, a little bit sour. So I was doing, I wanted that effect, but I didn't want all the dressing or the sauces and all that other stuff. So you can actually do that with a lot of different herbs. Um, and just putting, you know, dried hibiscus into something ground up with a couple other herbs, putting that on chicken, whatever it might be, like cool. get creative with it. And what you were just telling me something that you made where you were incorporating rosemary water into it, I believe. Right. So I did bread. Yeah. I okay. was doing like a soda bread type thing and, um, we did a couple other ones. And so doing like the rosemary tea, and I think we had a video forever ago about mm -hmm. it on our, uh, Instagram and then taking that and adding it as the water. So it had a little bit more flavor to it. And I did like a rosemary and olive uh, bread loaf. Oh, yum. Yeah. I think that's so fun. I think I'm like, I really love just steeping the tea and putting it in right. where people would least expect it. Um, one, it's simple. Mm -hmm. You could probably, probably feel comfortable and confident doing that, not right. messing up what you're trying to cook or, you know, getting you know, too caught up in your head of, oh my God, but what if I, cause that's what I do. Oh my God. What if I use it wrong? What if I use too much? What if I burn it? What if it's not meant for this? Ah, so to be able to use, you know, um, replace your liquids with maybe some type of steeped herb, right. I think is awesome. I think yeah. it's such a fun way to do it and an easy way to do it. And if you incorporate any of these things, we would love to see it. Absolutely. So tag us. We're on all the things, yeah. the Twitters, the IGs, <laughs> the Facebooks. So uh, just tell us what's up. Tell us what's up. Tell us what you're doing. And I think that's a wrap for us. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to be uh, able to meet you guys here per usual. And all I have to say is peace and love. You know, treat yourself good. Bye, guys. Bye. And just as a reminder... Any ideas or topics discussed during this podcast should not be a replacement for any type of medical advice. Although Danielle is a certified trainer and I have a knowledge of herbal medicine, any decision to incorporate an exercise or herbal remedy is always your own.